This is how it's going to start. Everybody, welcome to the start of the podcast. It's me, Old Gray Butter, also known as Jimmy Jason Jackson, also known as Bill the Plant Watson, Old Carnegie Hat, the fishmonger from Old Back East West down in the basement where the pickles are stored here on Live to Tape, also known as Live to Tap, even better known as the Executive Buffet. The Executive Buffet, a buffet only available to executives. If you are one, you know you are one. If you know you are one, you are one. It's that it's that mezzanine level, okay? It's the special mez. We got a mez special mez mezzanine level for the Executive Buffet. Come on down. Starts at 6 a.m. Goes till 4 p.m. I was gonna say three, but I realized it's four. We just changed it to 4 p.m. That's a huge Executive Buffet. It's a brunch. It's not even a brunch. It's everything. It's like a goddamn just make-a-wish foundation for hanging out with your boys who are executives. Not just boys. That's just an expression, too. Welcome to the podcast. It's me, Kevin Tipcorn. Uh, we have a great episode here for you today. A real sweet, hot blaster of, a, of an episode. First, though, you should know that I'm going to be in Austin, Texas with my friend, the wonderful Duncan Trussell at the Vulcan Gas Company or the Vulcan Gas Lodge or the Vulcan, some sort of a gas or some sort of a Vulcan. It's downtown in the cool part of Austin, Texas. We'll be there doing shows on Friday the 15th of April and Friday the 16th, Saturday the 16th of April. Two shows each night. Come on out. It's probably going to be sold out. If it isn't sold out already, it probably is going to be. So get your, get your, get your ducks lined up. And come on out to see us blast out some really outstanding rhetoric. Also, I've got a really cool show coming up on April 22nd in L.A. at the Elysium, the Elysian Theater. It's my solo show, Minnesota Reggae Colostomy Bag. Uh, longest title, best title, best show. It's the third time I'm doing it since the uh, lessening of the pandemic. So I'm really excited. It's a fucking great show. It's it's the thing to see. So if you if you are able to come see that, I urge you to get tickets ASAP. It's not, it's not the biggest theater. So April twenty second at the Elysian Theater. All the information is on my website. On my tick, <laughs> I was gonna say TikTok. It is on the TikTok. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. So you know where to find me, Johnny underscore Pemberton on Instagram and just Johnny Pemberton on Twitter. 
all that stuff. Also, my YouTube channel was youtube.com slash justmynipples. And if you want to check me out on Twitch, I'm streaming at least once a week on Twitch, maybe more. It's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. That's just one word. Twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. A lot of fun there. We hang out, we chat, we sing, we get, we get, <laughs> we get stupid. Honestly, you know what it is? It's just getting straight stupid. That's what I love about the Twitch stuff. And if I ever move from Twitch, I'll be, I'll do it on YouTube. The live streaming stuff. It's just a chance to get stupid with some people who are, uh, everyone there, everyone there gets it. If they truly get it. If they don't get it, they will get it. If they just hang back and soak up the vibe. And if you don't do that, then you get expunged. But don't worry, it takes a lot to get expunged. What else we got in the pipeline? I'll also be in Philadelphia in June, I believe, with again with my my dear sweet boy Duncan Trussell. Uh, those, those dates will be, I think it's 9, 10, 11 in Helium, Philadelphia. I'm not sure if the ticket links are live yet, but there you go. So you can put it in your calendar at least. Oh, oh so don't forget about the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. Patrons get episodes early. They also get access to all the back catalog of exclusive mixes and all that kind of stuff like that. So it's uh, membership is worth the privileges of benefits that you are bestowed. <sighs> also, the email live to tape podcast at gmail.com. Live to tape podcast at gmail.com. If you have like a some instrumental music you'd like to send me, please send it there. Also, I'd love to hear any suggestions you have as to new features for the podcast. So this is what's going to happen in the next, well, what's going to happen when it happens. I don't want to put a timeline on it because uh, right now I can't do that because it's dependent on some things outside of my control. But basically, new artwork for the podcast. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to start filming the podcast. So it's going to be available on video on YouTube. And uh, I want to start doing some segments, some segments on the podcast that are recurring. And a lot of that stuff will involve listeners as well. So if you want to submit ideas for that and or if there's stuff we've done in the past on the podcast that you've liked, <laughs> which we've, you've liked a lot, send me that and we'll do it again. Okay? How about... But we have a great, a great, 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 great guest on the podcast today. This is someone I wanted to talk to for a long time. A long time. His name is Sam Holmes. He is a an accomplished, an accomplished uh, sailor. Uh, blue water sailing, I believe that's what you call it when you're in the open ocean, Atlantic Ocean, uh, Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, all the oceans. He has uh, done a bunch of solo sailing adventures in a relatively small boat, and he's filmed these all for YouTube. He has these absolutely astoundingly wonderful, exciting slash relaxing videos he posts on YouTube, which is uh, Sam Holmes sailing. It'll come up right away. And um, the cool thing about Sam that I learned is he also has the same affliction. I hate to say the word affliction. I guess I want to say disease, or he has the same condition I do, which is ulcerative colitis. And he's been able to do all this stuff with that condition and when I found that out I mean I was already amazed by this guy who was able to do these solo sailing adventures and encounter so many problems but he's always very 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 positive and very cool about it if you haven't watched these videos yet you're definitely going to after the podcast or even if you want to just if you have time right now just stop and watch a couple of these and then 
you'll hear what he's saying will make so much more sense to you. But this guy, Sam Holmes, is um, he's my guest today. Amazing, amazingly talented man. And I had a chance to talk to him when he was sort of between trips on the phone. So the audio quality was a little bit compromised, but it sounds, I think it sounds great because it's a classic, the classic phone sound. Okay, cool. we're great. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long. I'm so glad we got to finally do this. So cool. Yeah, totally. So you are in, you're in Florida right now, right? Yeah, I'm in Florida. I just got back from uh, the Bahamas. We got a little hobby cat there. Okay, because uh, I saw your most recent video. <laughs> yeah. So you managed to get back without flooding the, uh, the hull? <laughs> yeah, we just left the boat there. Oh, you did? <laughs> I didn't need to really do that. I didn't need to do that twice. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that video. It was pretty incredible that you um, uh, seeing your face like smiling when you the boat looks like it's sinking in the middle of the ocean. There is uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, like it was. Uh, we left at night, and then so like when the sun came up, I was like looking at the hull. I was like, that looks like they're riding a little low. Yeah. And uh, I kind of just decided oh, we would probably just turn back. We were we were not quite halfway, but. Um, I think it would have been, I don't know. Like it seemed like it was be a little bit. We could have gotten back a little faster if we went back. But we again, we weren't. We were almost halfway. So then I told Zoe, and she was like, uh, "What's the matter? Is your bra strap too tight?" <laughs> so I, of course, had to carry on with that. Wow, that's saying that to you because you've done all these. Uh, I mean, uh, listeners who don't know, you're a you, you're a, you're a sailor. Would you say you're a sailor? Yeah. You've done all these incredible epic solo journeys. Uh, across the Atlantic and the Pacific, and you post all of them to YouTube, you make these incredible videos documenting your journey. And uh, that's how I found you initially. And so you've been doing this. How long have you been sailing on? Um, I started doing like the YouTube videos. Uh, they started getting like popular when I sailed to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I had like the YouTube channel where like ever since YouTube came out, but, but uh, we were just kind of like messing around making videos for fun. And that's what I was doing too with my sailing videos, but then a lot of people thought the Hawaii one was pretty cool and it got a lot of views, so, um, and then I, I monetized the channel too, so then I could make money doing it, so I think I'd just be making, making the videos. So that was like, I don't know, uh, three years ago? Before? Had you, but when did, when did you start sailing? Um, I learned how to sail when I was like, uh, like 15, but then I was just like a summer camp thing. And then I never really did it after that. Um, and then until later, and then I bought a sailboat, um, I don't know, maybe when I was like 25 and kind of retaught myself how to, how to sail, uh, slightly bigger boats. So then maybe I had that one for like three years and then. I've had uh, had a ranger. I sailed fly for about a year, and then this one for two years. So, so like, I mean, that's a pretty know, big commitment, though, to buy a sailboat. Uh, well, it's not it's not too bad. Like, you just uh, you, I, I use it most of the time on like most weekends. But most people don't even they just kind of just leave their boat and only use them a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was. Like they're not they're not that expensive to buy the boat, but it's kind of expensive to keep paying for the marina every month and 
uh, cleaning and stuff like that. Having the bottom clean so it doesn't get barnacles on it. But as far as the uh, the impetus that started you to do these these solo journeys, that like that, how did you get from like sort of buying a sailboat? And liking to sail to thinking, okay, I, I can do this, and I want to do this so bad that I'm willing to do something that is is pretty objectively dangerous, right? Mm. Yeah, like you could fall off is like the most dangerous thing. Um, how did, I guess you're just kind of just going a little further every time you know, like doing. You're starting on just off just day sailing, and then. Uh, wanting to go like to Catalina Island was like the first island I sailed to. And so that was like a, you could do it in a day and then you spend the night there and anchor and stuff and then come back and then kind of go a little further. And then the next thing was like to cross an ocean. So just inch by inch. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's kind of always like, it's kind of a bigger leap, I guess, to do the ocean than the other, the other steps. Uh, but then once you kind of do that, then, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of the other stuff seem not so not so big. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the thing that uh, really got me interested is when I saw your video where you're talking about having an ostomy bag and having a. Do you have Crohn's or is it colitis? I forget. I had ulcerative colitis, yeah, right. and then um, I had it for like ten years, and then they, uh, I was on Remicade, and that one stopped working. I got for ten years, and then. Uh, it got like pretty bad, so then I just was, like had them take out the. I took out my, my large intestine, and so then I had the colostomy in the colectomy bag, uh, ostomy bag, and then um, I had that for a few years. I thought I was just gonna keep that, but then I got it, it reversed uh, maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. I think, and. Um, I don't know. Like it's, I guess I, I think I'm. I'm like I like to have. I like not having it. Like it's kind of nice, but there's kind of pros and cons to both. That's you're the first person I've ever heard say that because I I have the exact same thing. I have ulcerative colitis. Had my colon removed about <clears> 20 <throat> years ago, and I had it uh, the full two surgeries. So they I only had a colostomy bag for about 10 weeks or so. And um, mm. but I mean to hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> there's pros and cons to a colostomy bag. Is something where I've just literally never heard someone say that before. Because to me, the colostomy bag is something where I can't think of anything good about it <laughs> at all, except for the fact where I, I suppose you don't have to. Well, um, I didn't have colitis anymore, so that was a pretty good. good right, that's colostomy. true. That's true. Yeah. But you talk about it. Yeah, I, mean, I got. Talked about it. I thought like I think once I got it, quality of living, but it was definitely, I mean, it was like hard to get used to, I guess. But it's still, yeah, still better than than what it was before. Well, do you feel like uh, having colitis and having the surgery and stuff like that, it sort of emboldened you to mm-hmm. some extent? Because if I don't know, I, I feel like that about myself to some extent that there's stuff I've done because it feels mm-hmm. like. After after dealing with that kind of health issue, stuff doesn't really matter as much in terms of. Um, yeah, I think I think so. Like, it wasn't really as. Uh, like I don't know. I feel like I just my instead of like waiting to do the sailing stuff later, I just decided to do it. You know, uh, like kind of right then, 
and I think I got I had I got the surgery and then and then I so I, I did it in three surgeries right so I had the first two surgeries um when I lived in Los Angeles and then uh I didn't want to like the surgeries like really sucked so I didn't want to get like another one uh so I decided to keep the colostomy bag and then um and go go to Hawaii because uh you never know I don't know I felt like I didn't know like maybe the surgeries weren't going to work out or something and then you wouldn't be able to do it down the road right uh just kind of go for it that's kind of like that's what i figured i'd do and then yeah and then like once i did that like, it's kind of like i quit my job and it's, everything seemed to be like working out pretty well you know so i just kind of kept doing it that's interesting yeah because you decided where you might not have the chance to do it so you have to take care of it as soon as you can yeah and then before i guess I was kind of worried about not having like health insurance, but then I guess, I mean, I have health insurance, but like I used to have it through my company, so then I didn't know, I was kind of maybe afraid to to like quit my job and lose my insurance because those Remicade infusions were really expensive. Super expensive. Um, uh, yeah, and I don't know, like not having the colitis and having to go get the infusions was kind of like maybe another reason why having the like taking my colon out was good because then I didn't have to keep going in for infusions, which are maybe a little bit more difficult to like figure out if you're in different like different countries and stuff. Um, so just had to like keep a bunch of ask me bags, uh, and and then also like living living on the boat with an ask me bag is not too bad too because then you can just like you can just dump it over the side when you're sailing. And, uh, yeah, it's almost like easier than than going in the bathroom with a normal person. But you you don't have the ask me bag anymore, right? No, 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 I don't. I I had them. They do the J pouch. Is that what you have? Yeah, the J pouch. J pouch, yeah. Did they take out your whole uh, colon? Whole thing's uh, gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. What a weird. It took a long time. I thought to adjust to like the the last surgery, and I kind of like wished I didn't get it. But then, but then maybe like six months went by and then that's more I'm okay with it now yeah I saw you say that and that was something where I've honestly never seen someone say that before that they wish they didn't they wanted to go back to the uh, the colostomy bag which is so interesting because yeah mm-hmm. I, I got very depressed for like after that because I I don't know like it kind of really sucked getting the last surgery because uh, like with a costume bag I could also I could eat whatever I wanted you know? and mm-hmm. There wasn't really any consequences, uh, but then once I had like it reconnected, then I had like diarrhea every time, and so many times I had to go to the bathroom again. I felt like I had colitis again, basically. Yeah. Did you have pouchitis at all? No, I never got that. Fortunately, did you ever get that? Yeah, I kind of have it on and off all the time, but uh, I, I've oh, gotten did. I've gotten a lot better. I mean, I've had it. I've had the J pouch now for uh, twenty years, so. For me, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's I've finally, in the last maybe year or so, really settled into kind of uh, what works and what doesn't, and also just the getting used to. You're not gonna feel great all the time, and so <laughs> it's like my my baseline is yeah. Well, me feeling good is someone else feeling like, like shit. Like your new like standard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that's what it interests me about watching your videos is you're on this sailboat and stuff and you have to like get up, you have to wake up all the time because you're your, you're your own, 
you're the only one there, so there's no one like to trade shifts with or anything to do keep watch. Do you find it like? Uh, yeah, usually I'm kind of by myself out there. I, when I sailed to the Bahamas, I took uh, my friend Zoe, and uh, that was kind of nice. We like took turns uh, during the night. So how do you but manage that? Boat, that? But that boat didn't have like an autopilot. So yeah, I, that... I can't. I can, we had to kind of have two people for that, or we could just like drift, I guess, overnight and then wake up and then steer again. But you wouldn't really want to drift in the Gulf Stream because it would probably just like the current would take you way off. Well, of course, um, but like with my boat, it's got an autopilot and uh, got like two pilot systems, so I can use one of those, and then I just go sleep for a little bit and look around, and I kind of try to like measure how far on the map it would be before I ran into something, and then sleep for a shorter amount of time than that. <laughs> so you just set an alarm? Is that what you do? You just take the, take like naps basically for a couple hours and set an yeah, alarm? Yeah, yeah. If it's like it's something that's definitely would cause trouble if I ran into something, then I'll like set an alarm to make sure, make make sure I wake up beforehand. Um, otherwise, if it's like some like far offshore, there's nothing really to run into, so I can just sleep uh, most of the night and maybe wake up wake up a few times. Then I'll just kind of like let myself wake up uh, on my own. So, is this all? Is all this uh, solo adventure stuff? Is this is any of this stuff stuff that you thought about? since you were like a little kid or it was like a book that you read that really put this in your brain? Cause it feels like you have almost like a compulsion to do this, these things that are so, I mean, to almost anyone who watches these videos, it's so gnarly and mm. so crazy what you're doing, but you do it with such, um, you're so relaxed and, uh, <laughs> you're so calm in all these situations that seem there's, they're really extreme. They're really extreme situations. And I just have to think that something got in your head at some age that that really makes you so f infinitely fascinated with being able to do this kind of a uh, kind of adventuring. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like uh, not really. I I think it's just yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of like into like hobbies that maybe are some people. I guess they are kind of dangerous. Like I was doing the paragliding before this and. Um, but this, this is kind of fun for me, uh, the, the, like, sail, and then, uh, it's neat to, like, travel and then have, like, a boat's a good, the sailboat's a good way to, to travel also, and then it's also, it's kind of, like, kind of, like, all the like, different aspects of it, because I like, I kind of doing projects and building things, and then I, I get to do a lot of that with working on the boat, and then also, it's kind of fun to go sail and, like, uh, stronger conditions and waves and stuff. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's a little scary, exciting. Um, and then it's, you get like a sense of accomplishment if you, when I cross like a, a difficult passage, like we're crossing the North Sea or then I'll sail on a little boat to, to uh, Hawaii or, or even just like crossing the Gulf Stream. I was like pretty, like uh, pretty proud to do that, like on that, that little boat that most people wouldn't have, wouldn't have tried doing. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so I like that part too. Yeah. And uh then also yeah so then, and then there's like also when you get there it's like it's really cool to like not fly there on a plane you got there like on on a boat and then you can just like sail to one part of an area and then like you know explore that and go ashore uh and then uh, you can stay as long as you want or leave and depending on the season and uh, it's a cool way to travel too because you have like ultimate freedom really 
Yeah, I think uh, at least on on like a low lower budget, right? Because you you can you can do like a type of traveling you couldn't do unless you had like you're gonna want to spend a lot more money. Right. I love seeing when you arrive at these places. It's so cool because I did a little bit of sailing years ago with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend had his dad had a uh, catamaran. It was moored in Titusville, Florida. We sailed to the Bahamas. This is like over over twenty years ago, and it was something where oh, awesome. it was the most exceptionally fun, interesting experience of my life. When we crossed the Gulf Stream on the way yeah. to the Bahamas, we had some of the worst. I mean, I thought we were going to die for sure. <laughs> We were hearing oh, really? these waves. Yeah, it was so bad. Also, yeah, the wave period was so close together that the uh-huh. boat was slamming for probably like oh, three man. hours straight. That sounds awful. Yeah. And I was how, like, how big of a boat was it? It was like a twenty-six foot catamaran. So it slept about. It was six of us on the boat. Three older guys, like my friend's dad's age, uh-huh. and it was me, my friend Fred, and my friend Mark. And uh, okay, yeah. And it was it, once we we made it. We sailed for almost two weeks in the Bahamas, uh-huh. and it was incredible. Um, oh, cool! It was one of those things where it was so like I have so much respect for like when I see your videos and stuff because I when I when we were doing that crossing, I was vomiting yeah. everywhere and shitting my pants because I was uh-huh. like everything was coming out of both <laughs> ends. <laughs> they had to hold on to me oh, yeah. so I didn't fall off the back of the oh, boat when I was vomiting. Wrong. Yeah, seasickness is the worst, isn't it? Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Um, I don't really get seasick anymore. Uh, I've been a, a few times, you know. It's kind of good to, like, know what it, what it is when, so you can maybe have a little sympathy for other people. But mm-hmm. uh, once you, I think I get used to failing. Uh, you don't really most – people, most people can kind of, like, get over it, I think. Not everybody. Uh, but uh, it's, like, usually if you're – Aren't, aren't on a boat as much like you'll, you will um just be, be used to it maybe i would get like seasick if i did it, like a long period without sailing but i mean now i feel like i've been in so many like uh really seasick inducing you know like seas and stuff but i like it doesn't really affect me too much i mean i suppose if i like stick my head down in the bilge or something like was like working upside down maybe maybe i would I, I maybe I I just kind of try to not like put myself in the positions that would make me more seasick, um, and so maybe I just get a little bit queasy at the but like not like not that like full on seasick anymore. Yeah, that's it's rough. I was I felt bad for about two days after that. It took me for did you, did you get like okay though like uh, once because you, you said you like failed for like two weeks. Like, yeah, I mean um, better. I felt fine on the on the crossing back. I was expecting it to be bad, so mm-hmm. I, I did like half a, a scopolamine patch, but I ended up not needing it because it was yeah. super smooth. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's just like really, you could go on different days and it's like a completely different experience. It'd just be like really flat and there's, you know, maybe just the, the perfect amount of wind and it's really great. And then if you have maybe the wind going against the current uh, or it's like a little too strong or like leftover, you know, swell from a few days ago, it's like, can be really horrible like it took it was i was really careful about the weather like that was the main the main thing i did like uh to make sure that we were going to make it uh to uh across the gulf stream mm-hmm. on that passage on that the hobie cat was, was the main thing was like find that perfect forecast because i knew we didn't want to be in like any 
any kind of waves at all. So I actually waited a whole month like for that for the weather window that I thought was actually gonna be good. And then even then I got out there and I like I think there was some maybe leftover swell from a, a few days ago and so it wasn't like match the, the the conditions weren't matching the forecast. So I we turned around and then I said, well I guess let's keep trying, you know, because we we trailer the boat all the way to Miami. So then we tried two more times and then finally like we 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 had it was like common enough to I thought where I thought it was like safe because I suppose you, you could you could do it in like rough weather but it, you'd have like have different kind of preparation um, and uh, I was just trying to like find a, a you know the time of year was pretty good because we had like you know consistent wind but we're, we weren't we wasn't very common to have like squalls as much um, so I've been in some some of the bad squalls so like this was like a pretty good time of the year to do it I think and then just like having the wind in the right direction was kind of hard to find that day. Uh, but then when, when we found it, uh, we just kind of like got out across there as quick as we could. And then a few days later, it was like crazy. Like a, the waves went up to like, I don't know, they're like, I think eight feet a few days, a couple of days after. So then we had to kind of wait in shore wow. for that to, for that to pass. Uh, and then, and then when, when we, um, uh, when we, when we, when we took, when we went back, we left the, the Hobie cat there. And um, we took a cruise ship. And, of course, they don't really have to worry too much about the weather because it's mm-hmm. huge. Uh, but I was, like, looking at the, the seas, and I was so glad, like, we weren't out trying to sail back. And that. I mean, I wouldn't have gone if it was that bad. But, like, the, the, the waves were huge on the way back. The whole ship was, like, rocking. Jeez, because that that's a small, open, there's no, oh, what do you call it, no cabin. There's no, um, what do you call that type of boat? No. It's a it's a, like a beach catamaran, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure. Like the, um, yeah, yeah. It's basically just like a little trampoline, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how big, six or seven feet by seven, like square. And then uh, you're, we we put a tarp on it because it's like a kind of meshy, like a fine mesh material. You know, you sit on. So then the waves would just kind of go right through it. So we uh, we put a little like a foam mat on there to kind of keep us a little drier. But then. Uh, by the end of it, the uh, conditions started to pick up a little bit, um, and the waves were—they were just kind of like rolling over the, <laughs> rolling over the boat, and Man. so like everything would start floating for a second, and then so we, because I just we had like two bins, waterproof bins. I found at, uh, at Home Depot, and then I tied them down, but like they were tied down, but they could still kind of like slide around. So like the wave would wash over <laughs> the boat, and uh, the, all the stuff would like kind of float up, and I would just like let go of the tiller and like put my hand. <laughs> sure would like I don't know float away float away if it wasn't tied on good enough or something. Sounds terrible. Um, but like that was that was when I was like I had we basically had had a land within sight, and even if it like flipped over, we we would have just like drifted into drifted there. So I kind of like planned it that way. So we would like be going downwind at the end, and if something bad happened, we would just kind of like you know drift into shore. Uh, so it ended up working out pretty good, but it was a little bit at the end. It was a little bit like kind of scary. Uh, just trying to keep the boat under control because it was we were going really the wind was picking up a little more and the waves were getting kind of bigger and we were like I'm worried about uh, flipping it over. Have you have you seen one of these like Kobe cat things? Uh, I haven't no, but I mean I, I know a little bit they're, about them, but they're blast. But, they, but you can like flip them over and then uh, I've done it a bunch with uh, I had a, a 14 foot one, uh, but then what, what they do is they like the 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 hull can like dig into the water and it, and it, it doesn't like flip over sideways. It goes like end over end. And uh, they'll kind of, like, launch you and all your stuff everywhere. So that was really what I was trying to avoid. Stuffing the bow, is that what they call it? 
Pitchfoin. Uh, Pitchfoin. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like that's, that's when the boat goes end over end. But like, hey, yeah, half because you have that, that the bow kind of dives into a dives into a wave. And then plus, I don't know if it helped or hurt us. Probably didn't help. Uh, the 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 holes were kind of like had again a lot of water in it, um, which is just it's kind of normal for those boats. You just kind of have to drain them every few days. Um, and we probably should have drained the holes in between our second and third attempt. Uh, but then I think just like you know sailing for the 13 hours it took or 12 hours or something like that. But it's just like enough time where the hull was like pushed down in the water that it just it got you got it got a lot of water in it, so that was making it ride a little low. You know that that boat's not really designed for what you were doing with it, was it? It's like taking a bicycle on the freeway or something, right? Yeah, I, maybe. Like, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not designed for it. They get, they have like little catamarans, like I think the war, like a warm or the, the Hobie getaway. That's got like a little bit more room. And uh, there's like a little storage in the halls, or yeah, it would have been better to get like a slightly bigger one. I don't know why. I mean, it, it was it, the hobies are just so easy to find, and I wasn't really thinking I was actually going to sail to the Bahamas when I bought it. I just kind of wanted to like mess around for a little bit in Florida with it. And but then I don't know, like we took it to the Keys, and it was pretty fun. So I just wanted to like see if I then I then I kind of got the idea in my head. I'm like, oh man, what if I, what if I could sail this, you know, to the Bahamas? That that would be a cool thing to do. And I really wanted to explore, explore like the islands over there more. But the problem was we got there, and then we our rudder was broken. So I was gonna fix it, but we were while we were waiting to like get it fixed and waiting for better, a better wind. Like we just got eaten alive by the bugs, and I, I we got I was like so miserable, and I just kind of had to give up a little early on that. But I would have wished it would have been cool to to sail like to the Abacos Islands. Oh yeah, that's where I went. Abacos. So those, that was beautiful. Oh, my God. I want yeah, to go jealous. back so bad. Well, well, maybe I'll take the big boat. Yeah. <laughs> so where where is your uh, your main boat? The uh, is it the pickled herring? Right? Is that what it is? It's called. Yeah, yeah. That boat's um, it's on the land in uh, Sweden right now, and I, I got a flight, so I'm gonna go back on May fourth to. Uh, go get that. I just need to. I need to put a new like. Uh, it's called like cutlass bearing. It's like where the propeller comes out. Mm-hmm. So I need to just fix that, and then I can put it back in the water. Uh, they'll have like they have like, like a, a truck with a crane and just kind of lifts it up and puts it in. And then and then I'm gonna sail that one like around uh, a little bit more around like the Sweden and Norway, and then and then back down to the Mediterranean, and then probably probably back across the Atlantic Jeez. at the end of the year, like, to the, to the Caribbean. But then maybe I'll go to the Bahamas again, like, uh, on the way back. So you kind of have your kind next of annoying. year. There's, like, a lot of fees. We, we, had, we had to pay, like, all the same fees you would have to pay for, like, a, I think up to, like, a 30-foot boat. Uh, they had to like, get a cruising permit, all the, uh, like, the COVID, mm-hmm. like, certificate stuff. Um, so it's it's kind of a shame we didn't get to like you know take advantage of it, the boat having a boat there and do a little more. But on the other hand, I just wanted to, I wanted to like get off that island without I just got eaten by so, alive by so many bugs and we they were getting like through our bug nets and it was really bad. So you kind of have your next year planned out with the uh, with your main boat. Yeah, it's kind of looking at the seasons and thinking ahead what I might do. It's not like you know. That's really set in stone, but kind of like an outline. Mm-hmm. That that would work good with like the sailing season, I think. 
And you can do that all solo? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Jesus. So do you, do you have any kind of like a like a life goal with this? Like you're going to try to do like circumnavigate or something or anything that's like a really big on the horizon that you think you could do eventually? Or are you kind of taking it as it yeah, comes? Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, I, I kind of would be cool to do a circumnavigation. Like, I really, I really want to get to, like, the South Pacific. There's a lot of places I want to go to, so I'll probably end up uh, going pretty much around the world by the time I do them all. That's incredible. Uh, as far as, like, the mechanical stuff, because I see you doing all these repairs and things on the boat yourself. How did, how did that come about? Is that something you learned out of necessity, or have you always been really handy and knew how to do uh, mechanical things. Um, yeah, it's kind of just uh, a lot. I kind of like to try to do stuff myself because I'm cheap, and then also I, I do enjoy it a little bit. And but then I have ideas, you know, like when I'm like sailing the boat, I'm like, oh man, wouldn't it be nice if I had like like a a shade or something, you know, something like an idea for something I want to have on the boat. And then maybe like you look at like how much it costs to buy it, and it's like wow, it's crazy. I could probably just build it myself. So then I did a lot of stuff myself. But then once it, then it was good I did that because then once you start doing, like, the offshore sailing, you kind of have to be able to make every make anything work for you. So it's kind of like the more, the more hands-on, you know, practice you get with, like, building and fixing things, the better you get at it. So that's pretty necessary, I think, for you're going to cross an ocean, um, especially with like an older boat or any boat, you know, it's like this stuff is going to break for sure. And if you can fix it, then you can just keep on going and um, not have to, uh, you don't like worry too much because you know you can kind of fix anything. Uh, that's kind of like what I try. Right. So you didn't have any kind of like a, a an older person who helped teach you or anything? Or like did you uh... – watch videos or i mean how did you learn um yeah i just watch videos i guess if i need to or you just kind of google it or watch videos because mm -hmm. everything you can figure out by by watching googles or videos pretty much kind of i mean i don't know i kind of like taught myself how to sail like I, besides just like the basics right when i was a kid then uh i i just kind of like would look things up and maybe maybe a few books but mostly just the internet yeah where, where did you grow up I'm from North Carolina originally. So you you grew up. Uh, do you remember the first time you sailed? Is it did you sail as a kid? Yeah, because we my parents they like sent me and my brother to camp in Wisconsin as a kid and sailing camp, and that's where we learned how to sail these like small. Um, uh, they call it a four four twenty. So it's like a little boat that you could have two people on, and they have um, a mainsail and a jib. We, we sailed it on a lake first. Um, that's how I learned how to sail. But then, and then, and then I, I when I got, was like older, I got, I bought this, uh, this boat in California. It, it was like a 22 foot boat. And then I just couldn't find anyone to go with me really. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people would come, but then, uh, it was mostly just, no one was really around. So I figured I'd just take it out by myself. And I was kind of annoyed that like, uh, well, it wasn't like I didn't think it was ideal to like be alone at first, but then once I kind of figured out how to do it, it was actually not too bad, and then I liked it. I started liking sailing alone, so 
that's kind of how I prefer to do at least like a longer passage. Uh, sometimes it's fun to have someone else, but then, then you got to like think for them too. Like normally they like make decisions harder if you have a second person. You have to consider somebody else. Just you, you, don't, you don't have to like, yeah, you don't have to consider anyone else, like how they're doing or uh, like trying to explain why you're, you know, why we have to be into the wind for <laughs> all night long, you know, uh, or, you know, like it's just, it's just a little bit simpler. Uh, and then, like sometimes, if they're in a bad mood, it can like make it, you know, even your your you know family part harder. Yeah, for sure. That's such a big aspect of it, isn't it? Is uh, attitude and like uh, your outlook on what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because like sometimes I would be like at the beginning of it, have a certain set of conditions that would make me really uncomfortable and nervous and like well, anxious. But then towards the end, it, like. Once I get a little bit, uh, um, yeah, then like once I get like a little bit more comfortable, then then, then I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with those same kind of conditions. Cause it's just like your mindset, you know, like it's the same exact conditions. It's just like you're uh, in the different mindset of like not being, you know, afraid of it. And, uh, you know, the boat doesn't know like any different. <laughs> it's just, it's all you're kind of in your head, right? You know, yeah. so you kind of set yourself up like, what, what kind of mindset you're going to be in. I remember when I sailed to Hawaii, like I was, uh, that was my first big passage. And then like, I was, I, I thought I was trying to do so much preparation and like have like everything, the control of everything, you know? So like have, have a, like think of every scenario that could happen. And then when I got out there, like kind of stuff started going wrong a little bit. And uh, I was like kind of solving it, but I, I, I just felt like I didn't have like control over what was happening. Uh, like I wasn't really comfortable with the conditions and I was, I just was really anxious for like the first day or two. And then, um, and then I just like, I don't know. I just like changed my mindset. Like I was like, I just decided instead of like trying to worry about it, I just decided, you know, what's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can't really change it. Um, and I like, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I kind of like convinced myself that, it, you know, like it, what was going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm not going to die. Like, so it'll be okay. Uh, and then I'm like, I'm, it, everything like, changed after that, like mentally. And uh, I was like, I just started like really enjoying it and having a blast. Uh, but it was just like a, it's like a, nothing really changed weather-wise or on the boat. It was just kind of a mindset thing. And then it was, it was a completely different experience after that. And the rest of the trip was, was pretty good. There's maybe a few little lows where like I, you know, the wind kind of died and it got kind of bored and then it was like ready to be there already. But uh Nothing like at the beginning of the trip, and it was all kind of just in my head, I think. Yeah, once you push through, then you could, uh, that's, the, that's the hardest part, huh, is pushing through the, the those, those feelings of doubt and uh, being scared of what's Yeah, yeah, happen. The, like the, the doubt is a, the good, big, big thing I get sometimes, like, oh, this is a bad idea, I, I, I'll tell myself that, and um, I, I wish I hadn't done it. But I guess one of the cool things about, like, the sailing is, like, once you get out there, you can't really, I mean, after a certain point, you can't really turn around. So you just got to keep going. I, I wonder how many times I probably would have, like, if it was, like, maybe, like, a, a through hike or something, like, where it was easier to, like, you know, get off at the next uh, town or something, like, mm -hmm. I probably would have given up. But you can't really give up. So then you're forced just to stay out there and inevitably end, end up doing it uh, and, like, being like, oh, yeah, this is why I do it. I remember, you know. Uh, but... 
because like it forces you to even when even when it's bad and you don't want to be there you just have to still you're still stuck on that boat out in the ocean so you gotta yeah. keep on going like if you if you, if you don't you're just gonna like i don't know you won't go anywhere you'll be out there even longer so you just gotta keep going and then like there's no way to really easily give up so and you do and have then, a lot and of... then like i i made it so i don't know if i would have done it it's like if it was easy to give up like that's kind of like makes you you kind of have to make it <laughs> But you do have a lot of safety things in place, right? You have like a beacon and you have a, people know where you're going. Like you're sharing your, your location with like a transponder or something like that. Yeah, I've got, I've got like a tracking thing. You can see on my website like where I am. If I'm on a, if I'm on a passage, I'll have that, that on up until like, I usually turn it off like as I get close to the port because um, sometimes people like they just show up in my boat and they, uh, kind of weird. Really, like fans? Yeah, I mean they're they're usually cool, but like I don't know, just to, just to get some like, get more privacy. Yeah. How many times does that happen? The YouTube thing's got pretty popular. Oh, it happens a lot. Like everywhere I go now. Really? That's cool, man. Yeah. Is it other sailors? Is that who it is? Yeah. Yeah, it's usually people who sail themselves or are trying to get into it. Wow. Yeah, so you got maintain that anonymity. A little bit, yeah. It, it was. It's like if it gets too much, it can be it was annoying. Like it was. Uh, I think I was had my boat somewhere, and I, I had him posted a video about where I was, and then there was a people just kept coming, and I wanted to like, I had to take like a nap in the middle of the day, you know, and then I, I kept waking me up in my nap, <laughs> so then I had to move my boat. But sailing culture, everyone's very friendly and helpful, right? Because that's just sort of the nature of it. Yeah, yeah, people are super helpful. Like, uh, I suppose I, I definitely learned a lot just uh, like from, you know, people around the docks that have more experience and, uh, you know, asking other people questions about their boats and how they do things. I, I see someone who has something on their boat and I'm like, oh, how does that work? You know, like, uh, you like it? Is, is it good? Or would you do that the same way? Like. Mm-hmm. And then I, and that's how I learned maybe. Should I say that one more time, please? Oh, I, I said like I learned a lot by from other other sailors. You know, like when I I see someone who has their boat set up differently, you know, I ask them about it, and then you know, try to like learn from other other people about you know different things about sailing. Yeah. Wow. So when you were um. Are you are you gearing up for a trip coming up really soon here? Um, yeah, I'm gonna sail. Uh, I I kind of need to like get the boat in the water next, you know. So I need to like, there's just a, there's like a couple things I need to fix on it. It's like where the propeller goes out of the, the bottom. I need to replace the cutlass bearing. And this is the the, the pickle like hair. Right? Yeah, I've got like a list of, of stuff and maybe replace some ropes. So once once I can like just get that fixed up, I hope it doesn't take too long. So you're gonna do it yourself. Last time working on it. You're gonna do it yourself oh, in yeah. Scandinavia, or is it Sweden or Norway? Did I've, you got, say? I've got yeah, I've got I've got a friend out there. He's really cool, and uh, he's um he's kind of like helping me a lot. Um, and and he's got a boat too, so like we're kind of working on each other's boats together. I think. Nice. Uh, I want. I just want to ask you some more about the the health stuff because it's so interesting to me how you deal with that. Do you feel like, um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about 
bowel diseases. There's a lot of uh, uh, stress is a big thing with bowel disease as far as I what I've learned and that a lot of times if you're stressed that can have an effect on your bowels and vice versa. It can be like a almost like a, like yeah, a feedback sure. loop. Yeah, I think I think that was like one of the triggers for me when I had colitis was like I get really stressed. I would uh you know, have like uh worse, you know, flare ups and stuff. That was definitely a big big factor. I had a friend who had colitis too and then he we worked together and then he ended up like leaving the it was at Disney and then I, I he left the company and then I asked him like about the colitis if he was doing better and he said like once he quit the job working at Disney like it, like solved all <laughs> like really? bowel issues or something so I don't I don't know like even if you don't really realize you're like stressed sometimes mm-hmm. um it can it can your body does and it it can react with like a colitis flare up uh, I feel like I'm pretty low like stressed person but then uh, like it'd be a stressful situation like I wouldn't like show it any other way except for like having like colitis flare up right uh, so yeah I think that's huge like a factor for for colitis maybe other bowel things so you were working at Disney before you that was your last job before you went full time sailing yeah I I worked uh, in Glendale um, for Disney and we um, I was doing like projection mapping so when you ever have have to project like multiple projectors in the the, the theme park and they like have to blend together to make a single image I was uh, kind of mapping them out and doing some laser scanning and digital digital work for the, for them. That's a very specific job, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of like stumbled into it. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Like you get a, I got to work on a lot of the different, a lot of the rides. Probably oh. like, like, and they're they're kind of cool. Like see them after the park is closed and kind of call around and like, like Space Mountain and the. So what's that? It's like a deserty roller coaster one. We did some stuff. It's kind of cool to see those old rides. So they're built like long time ago. And, yeah. Uh, and then sometimes we got to ride ride them a bunch. Like we're testing them out. Uh, so I kind of like that. But then I got, kind of, I got a little tired of it. So I decided it was time to like leave the job and sail to Hawaii. You made the right decision. Yeah, I'd say I did. And then I was trying to actually, I was going to do like a contract job, but then it didn't work out. They were going to send me to, to the Disneyland in France. Um, but I, I think I couldn't, I don't know if it, it, it probably got pushed back because schedules are always kind of hard to figure out. I thought it was going to work out good because we were just going to take my, uh, um, you know, my break from sailing and then maybe make a little more money, uh, with Disney for a while and then go back. But it didn't work out with like both of our schedules. Maybe, maybe in the future I'll do, I'll do that again. Although I don't know, like the, the YouTube is now it's pretty much like my full time like uh, income, source mm-hmm. of income, the main main source of income. So I don't really have to go back uh, to Disney now. But it is kind of fun to do every once in a while. And uh, I guess I can mix it up a little bit so not, I don't get, like, you know, too tired of, like, uh, just sailing. Well, it seems like you always keep it pretty interesting with the sailing, uh, especially deciding to take a little a little Hobie cat across the Gulf Stream. Uh yeah, I had I was kind of I had this idea when I was in Europe to, to take a Hobie cat. I was gonna, or not not necessarily a Hobie cat, like a small sailboat without a motor. 
um, is I get some oars and a little sailboat. And then I actually flew to Croatia, and then I was thinking, oh, it'll be easy. I just like go on there, diverge in the Craigslist, you know, mm-hmm. and then find a little boat, and then uh, maybe sail it like to, to the islands. And I was gonna try to sail down, like, maybe make my way down to Greece. Um, I thought, like, in my head, it seemed like a really good idea. But then I, I went over there, and then uh, I was having trouble like, finding a, a good a good boat um, to do that in over there. So then when I got back to I guess when I got back to Florida, that probably was like why I had the idea. So, you know, oh, I couldn't do it there. Maybe I can do it. Maybe I can do it here. Mm-hmm. Wow. I still think that'd be fun. Maybe I'll do that when I go back there. Because I don't know about sailing a big boat in the med. Like, maybe I'll sail it a little ways and then see if I can. Uh, I'll keep my eyes out, you know, for like another like dinghy adventure. Just because it's more nimble, you can get around faster and easier. Yeah, it's just like a different. Yeah, it's like it's like more different kind of sailing experience it's like a little bit more like you don't have the motor like you're more oh yeah it's like it's faster um i don't know maybe i won't maybe i will it's nice you can just drag it up on the beach you know too uh if the weather is nice it's more fun to sail probably yeah for sure I want to ask I'm gonna you... appreciate that, that big boat now because <laughs> i want to have a cabin for a little bit yeah <laughs> I want to ask you again about the, um, like the stress and the colitis thing. Do you feel like when you're uh, yeah. sailing and you have like, um, like you have a lot to deal with, like it's a, like it's a really stressful situation, that in a way yeah. it makes you feel better because it's putting your mind onto something that you have to work on. So it actually helps with stress. Colitis helps with stress. What do you uh, mean? When you have like like when you were sailing to Hawaii. You said you mentioned there's oh. like a couple times when you were really anxious about the weather and all the the, the conditions and everything. It was uh. really difficult. Do you feel like because uh. you're thinking on that problem that you're confronted with that it makes you feel uh, it makes your bowels feel more relaxed because of that because you're putting your energy mm-hmm. onto something that's very concrete right in front of you? No, I don't think I don't okay. think so. So it makes you feel worse in a way. Like you, you think it you, does? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe stuff like that does help. Like if you have like something you're really intently focused on. For me, sometimes it makes me forget about um, what's going on with my my bowels, and I sort of uh, tend to feel better. But only I don't know. I, I think it's kind of conditional, and it changes. Yeah. I just wonder with something where you're by yourself and you have this thing. It's very. Yeah. It's a very clear and present danger if it has a negative effect or a positive effect on how you feel physically? I don't think it, I don't think that that's for me, but I guess by that time, by that time I didn't, I already got my colon removed. Right. Um, but, but I remembered I had problems once like the paragliding with, uh, it would, you know, it would be like before I would, I would launch, I had mm-hmm. like run back, back into the bushes, you know, mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. Uh, so like when I was on top of the mountain getting ready to like jump off, and then, um, but then I guess when I was flying, you know, I never really had like an issue up there, even though I had some, some a few scary things happen. But like, I guess because my body knew like, oh, it's not really an option right now. You know? Yeah, you got to hold it um, in. You got to do, yeah. So it wasn't like I had, yeah, too much of a problem with that. But like definitely like before I would fly. And even, I think even earlier when I had that first sailboat, um, because every time I would take it out, something would break or I'd, like, 
felt like it was always a disaster because it was like the learning experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, or I like run into another boat or a dock or <laughs> something. Uh, luckily, it was a small boat; I couldn't do much damage. But like every time I would like go out and sail in that boat, I'd have to like you know go run to the marina like, in the bathroom before I would leave because I would be kind of anxious before I go. But then once I would get out there, it wasn't usually a problem. I mean, sometimes I guess I, I would just like have somebody that would have like a bucket, <laughs> bucket toilet in the uh, in the cockpit, um, so I could I could go to the bathroom like easily while I was you know still still sailing. And back when I had you know the colitis mm-hmm. was bad. Do you do you still but, um, ever use a bucket toilet I'm, now? I don't really like. Yeah, I still use a bucket toilet with like a little bit of like a like dirt or something in there just to kind of you know cover it up. It works. Right. It works okay. Yeah. As long as it's like having to like secure it in the boat it's kind of a challenge but i think i've got a system that works so it works okay it's not ideal but i tried the different types of boat heads and i'm not like really found the perfect solution for it so the bucket wins yeah but it's just for simplicity you know mm-hmm. like i might i might change it I, might, I don't know like a pump toilet would be okay but a problem is when i bought my my last boat like it had it had one of those like uh holding tanks and uh but you had the option to either go into the holding tank or straight overboard, but there wasn't an option to, like, pump it, the holding tank overboard. You had to, like, put a macerator pump or something in there. Uh-huh. And uh, the toilet needed to be, like, have the seals rebuilt anyway. So um, I was looking at the price of, like, the, re- the rebuild kit, and it was basically the same price as the new toilet. So, and I, well, then I don't want to take apart the toilet, you know, and work on it because I could just buy a new one. Uh, so I just like, well, I'll just, and I'll just throw this one away. And then if I, if the bucket does, I'll try the bucket in the meantime to test that out. And then, I mean, I knew the bucket worked okay. I had it before. Um, and then I'll test that out. And then if, you know, then the worst case, I just go back to, like, you know, a kind of traditional marine head because, I mean, I was going to have to buy a new toilet anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never, like, really wanted to, to go back to being, Sometimes maybe with like having other people, they be a little bit. No, that hasn't actually that hasn't brought me there. People, people, people are pretty down to accept the bucket at times. Yeah, once you get out there, it feels like, well, this is uh, we're just in the middle of the water here. No one's doesn't really matter. It starts to. That's what's cool about. Yeah. It seems like is it's like a different world out there where you don't have to worry about any kind of social pressures. Yeah. You can I just, I mean, everybody has to go to the bathroom, you know, so mm-hmm. you just kind of like don't have to, it's not like that weird once you just got to get used to it. And, um, yeah. Do you have a standby food you have on when, with you sailing all the time that makes you, uh, it's like your go-to thing to eat on the boat? Oh. Um, I kind of go through phases. Like, uh, um, I try like I for a while like in Hawaii I was doing like the the like, the, the hydrated like mashed potato like the yeah like the powder mashed potatoes you you get at the grocery because mm-hmm. um, those are pretty easy to and like I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good food when I had colitis and then I like I like fish um, I've been catching a little bit more of the fish myself now on the boat um, salmon though if I buy fish I like salmon and tuna uh, that seems to do okay. Uh, and then I like hummus. Wait, that one more time? I, you I broke up. Like hummus. Okay. Like hummus. uh, in the, like vegetable, vegetables and hummus. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I gotta get some fiber because he maybe seems to help a little bit now. Fiber now. I know they go. I feel like with the colitis and everything, they're always doing opposite diets. You know, like oh, low low fiber, low residue. You know, and then like and they tried so many different things. They didn't. The diet didn't have that much of an effect. Like I tried all sorts of stuff, and like mm-hmm. everybody when they hear you, you probably have the same thing. Like when you tell them you yeah, have colitis or something, they say, oh, you should try this diet. You know. But like for me, it didn't. It never really like chicken was bad for me. I guess and like fried, fried stuff. There were right. things that were worse, but there was like there was no there was no diet <laughs> fixing this, the problems I had. Yeah, for me, it's all over the place. And there's some stuff that you think you can't eat, but I can. And there's some stuff that you supposed to be good for you, and I have a problem with it. I it's it changes a lot, but also I think it's all so much about moderation. As long as you don't eat a ton of mm. this thing, or then you're okay. Feels like. Yeah, I think it was like a time where I was also just like not eating very much. I lost a lot of weight, but um, like I think like I looked at the Hawaii video, like I'm so skinny in that one. But like I just would eat, you know, the more I would eat would be like the more pain I would be in. So I just like not eat very much. Wow, you had like pain from eating. No, like cause I like have to go to the bathroom. Or, oh right, you know? yeah, just yeah, it goes in, it's got to go like, out. But, yeah, whatever I go in, it's going to come out, so I just didn't want to eat too much. Cool. Have you read that book, Endurance, the one by Alf- is Alfred Wolseley, about the Shackleton ex? Uh, no. You haven't read that? Oh, maybe I did. I yeah, I like think you- I did. Do you have a favorite sailing adventure story that's a great, a good book to read? I mean, I love those, those kind of stories and stuff. I'm always looking out for the new ones. I don't know. Do you have a favorite one? I mean, it's probably endurance for sure. I mean, that's the the Antarctic expedition. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they like they took those little boats across to another island, and they were like open. It was like a, oh, they crossed like an ocean, but, like it was like a thousand miles or something. Yeah, across right. The, Is that the one? And then, yeah. then the killer whales were like attacking them. And the Southern Ocean. Stuff and they kept eating those, uh, eating the seals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. I did the. I think I listened to the book on tape of that one. Cool. Are you gonna put out a saxophone album anytime soon? Your electric sax. Yeah, I got a few like uh, you know recording deals in the works. So nice. It'll come out pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. Can't wait to see you at the Grammys next year. <laughs> see you there. Well, Sam, uh, before we go, is there anything like? Obviously, people should check out your YouTube. It's Sam Holmes Sailing, right? Is that am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, that will find me. Check out the YouTube. Is there, as far as like people wanting to get into sailing and stuff, is there anything you tell people all the time? Like, what's the what's the thing to do? Oh, uh, yeah, like I, I remembered in uh, in Hawaii, they had such a cool like dinghy club, um, and they were they came and met met me uh, when I got there and. I really like the idea that I never like, joined a sailing club or anything, but like, uh, it seemed like it really would be a good way to start, you know, cause you could, and they'd have a, they had a bunch of little boats and they even had like a, maybe like a little, like one that was a little bigger. And, uh, then you could just join the club for, for real cheap. I think they, they can, they kind of vary in price. This one was like really affordable, surprisingly affordable. And then you can like just check out whatever different boat you want for that day. So you get experience sailing different things and, I think they teach the kids and they probably teach lessons on how to sail it. So then you can, you can kind of get it all in one place, right? You got your boat, you can learn, you got someone to teach you how, 
and uh, you don't have to, you know, pay for the the maintenance of like a one boat you're probably not going to use, you know, that much. But then you get maybe have more variety. So that, that would probably be like the ideal if you could find the, find something like that near you. So just, yeah, start yeah, small. Like dinghy, dinghy yeah, like the dinghies are good to start on too, you know, because they get like instant feedback. Like the bigger the boat, like you, I mean, some of the racing boats maybe are pretty responsive, but like my boat, you, you're going to like make a change and it's going to be, it's not going to be the direct, like there's like a time difference between the change you make and, you know, the effect that happens. Uh, but with like a small sail, but like the, the, the effects are pretty immediate. Um, so I think you can, you can learn faster on one of those and they're more fun to sail anyway. Yeah. Fine. Small is a really good idea. Is there a time, I, can't, I forgot to ask you this earlier, but is there a, um, do you have a specific instance when you were sailing where you thought this might be the time that you, like, this is it, man. Like, I'm going to have to hit my transponder and, like, hopefully get picked uh, up in the ocean here, just get saved. Uh, no, I don't think so. There's never a time when you thought, like, like uh, oh, man. Mm, no, I haven't, I haven't, fortunately not yet. That's that's great. Okay, so does that mean you think it's gonna it'll happen at some point, or is it sort of like as long as you sail smart and use the weather, you'll you'll be okay? Um, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna have to ever get rescued. Hopefully, I think that there could be something that just could be out of your control. I suppose like mm -hmm. um, maybe you get knocked down. Uh, or, uh, like, uh, I got, oh, you know, actually, when I was in the Florida, like, in near Fort Jefferson, I got it on video, even, because, uh, I don't know, there really wasn't much I could do. I got hit by this really, really bad ball, and the jib was out, and, uh, it looked like, uh, the, the, I mean, I was looking at the map, and there was, I think there was 50, 50 knots of wind. Jesus. I think it was in the high 50s, um, which is like the most wind I'd ever, you know, been out and on the water. And then my and my entire jib was out. Uh, I couldn't get it in because it was like a furling jib and too much pressure on it. And uh, it's like a swell that came by really quick. I, I mean, I didn't, it was like perfect column A, just a little bit of wind. Um, I almost didn't put my anchor away. My, I think the anchor was just laying on the front of the deck. And then the last minute I said, you know what, I should probably how that secure that up um and that's what i did because then you know you hit that that squall came by so quick and then uh we're trying to roll the jib up came all the way out i looked at the math and it looked like a it looked like a like a noodle it's like it was like bending so much it was pumping back and forth Jeez. i was like oh man that, that thing's gonna break <laughs> i thought the math was gonna break and then um i guess the the problem was we were also like upwind of a of a reef so i i really thought there was like a possibility that i wasn't going to keep the boat like you know uh going uh like away from the reef and we might like get washed up on that like during that squall so then there was the waves it got kind of started to pick up so maybe that was the most time i thought we might need to get a rescue or something which so video is this fortunately one? i mean it's it's it was the first time no, it was always with me. It was the second time I sailed. Um, so it was a couple of years ago, I think. We had, they just bought the, the Cape Dory pickled herring boat, and uh, I was kind of like outfitting it, and we took it down to the Keys. It was like, it was, it was the second time I went to the Keys, because then I worked my way 
up to North Carolina after that and then Maine. Okay. Um, so uh, it was like, uh, yeah, one of, one of those videos when we were sat in the keys. It's probably got like a thumbnail. It's like I'm in a storm or something. Oh, yeah, I think I watched that one. I definitely watched that one for sure. Yeah, oh. and then I was like, so I was just kind of like, kind of a little bit helpless for a little bit there. So I just took the camera out inside to film it because it wasn't really doing doing much good. <laughs> uh, just kind of worrying about it. So maybe I get 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 some interesting footage to have at least. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Sam. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, it was my pleasure. It's so interesting, and I look forward to following your trip this next year it's uh everyone has to check it out it's so it's so interesting the way you make i love your videos because you make them in this way where they're so um they're not pretentious at all and they just feel very natural it's like you're following it's like you're on the boat with you and i really love that i think there's no one oh, else oh yeah I, I guess, a couple other people have said that too that's that's that's, that's, that's cool thanks yeah it's really great there's just uh the production is so uh, so stripped down. It's just a. Uh, it's a great. I don't know. It feels like it's ahead of its time because that's what people are doing now with everything. It's this thing where, not you can do all the stuff, but this the simple stuff is what works the best. Yeah, it's really it's really neat that so many people are, are enjoying them because I'm just I'm just doing like what's kind of you know easy for me to make the videos. Like I'm not trying to put much production value into them, but uh, I guess uh, yeah, some people seem to really enjoy them. So. Been working out pretty good. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, no problem. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.